Welcome to episode 86 of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Berry. Our guest today is Eddie Smits, a former professional clown who hails from Belgium. He says authentic communications with children would heal society's woes and enable children to grow into adults who could face any challenge and be effective world leaders. That statement reminded me of advice I received when my oldest child, Craig, was a toddler. A very wise person told me, the qualities we admire in adults are not qualities we admire when children exhibit those same behaviors. That statement stopped me cold and helped shape my philosophy of raising children. Please join me as Eddie and I discuss how his volunteer work as a hospital clown shaped his philosophy of communicating with children. I really connect it with your philosophy. And I said this in the introduction that I recorded when my oldest child was just a toddler. Someone who was much wiser than I said to me something along the lines of that the qualities we admire in adults, we often disapprove of in children. Yes. It made me stop and think, and it helped me form my philosophy about child development and child behavior. And I was wondering if you could talk to us about this. I've never heard that phrase that, that you are citing now, but it's, it, it really resonates with me. And it's in all areas, you know, to give you a very simple but very clear example. At some point, adults lose the ability to play uh, if, if an adult plays, it's to win something or to, to gain something or whatever, as uh, opposed to a child, it plays because it likes playing. And, and it is very important also as an adult to keep on playing. Let me give you an example from, from my hospital days. Um, a lot of times as a clown, we just played with children that were in the room. There was no clowning. There was no, but you felt this need to play and, and you played with the child. And every time you invited the parents to join, then there would be a barrier and they would say, no, 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 you, you just go ahead. You're doing a great job. Play, play with, with the child. And even in, in a simple thing, adults seem to lose these things to just play or to, and they think it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm too big. Or I'm too old for this. I'm, I'm an adult now. You know, I don't play anymore. So that's just one example from the things we lose. Telling the truth, for example, is another thing. Children, are they just spit out the truth. And as an adult, we see, no, no, you can't say that. You can't, you can't do that. You can't say that. So here applies, here the same applies. Something that is very important, which is telling the truth so that the other knows exactly what you mean and who you are. We tend to block this as adults and we say to children, no, we say no, you can't say the truth, or you, or we say it in other in other manners, like we really correct the child. And what happens is that the child we learn the child how to lie, and then when it's <laughs> when it's an adult, we say you can't lie. But but we in fact learn children they need to lie sometimes because we think that lying gives us better opportunities. And, and I still believe that the opposite is true. And that brings us to something else that I read in your biography is mm. that you write that you need to look at a child as the next world leader. And if that child has been taught to lie, 
then that world leader is going to lie as well. Helping the child learn the truth and speak the truth is so important, not only for them at that moment in their childhood, but as they grow and morph into business executives, world leaders, parents, grandparents, whatever their life role is. I think it's it's interesting how we as adults, and I say we because I, I'm not perfect either, we have this way that we we want to help children by, by wanting to do something good. We often do the opposite or we uh, the opposite is the result of, of our, our doing with children. It's I'm still figuring, figuring out why we do it. I think it has a lot to do with our ego or the way we want to be um, looked upon from children. Uh, and, and also a lot of just we have this kind of thing that, you no, know, you're the child. You need to listen. We are adults. You need to respect us. Point. There's no discussion about that. I mean, why? What? What? What does? It, what does us make superior above a child? There's no reason why we should gain or have more respect than a child. That there is just none. <laughs> what well, we think there is, but but there isn't. And the moment we we see this, or the moment we we have this look upon and this insight upon children. We tend to look at them in another way. And, and that moment that that happens, a child can feel it. A child feels that, that you look upon it as a peer or that you have respect for it or that you mean really well for it, but I mean really well. And they feel it because their, their instincts are still stronger. Their, their, their gut feeling is, is way stronger than, than, than us adults. Also something, um, by the way, that we, that we unlearn. That opens so many possibilities, uh, and, and that's what I figured out by just visiting a lot of children and by listening to them and by playing with them. And that's also what I want to put in this world uh, and want and to share this, this message as much as possible to adults or, or, or grandparents or whomever is in touch with children and, and wants to learn things from and, and with children. So that's that's my mission, actually, right? I have talked with other grandparents and other child authorities who have mm-hmm. said similar things mm-hmm. in that we are not, as adults, we are not always the ones teaching. Children mm-hmm. can teach adults as well. And Absolutely. I think that's what I hear you saying, is that it's a... It's a give and take in that sometimes yeah. the children are the teachers and the adults are the learners. It's funny that you mention it because I had a conversation um, a few hours ago with somebody from India. And since I'm European, um, I wanted to check, you know, because India is a totally different culture than ours. And I wanted to check these things, how they look upon children. And what I found out is they they say the same as we and as and the things that you are saying now and that makes that made me real real like maybe proud is the wrong word but there is something like a universal language for children i think that people that work with children and that are doing the stuff that 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 children need in this day and age that we all are on the same pace but we need to get this message out and we need to convince because it's really convincing. It's convincing people that there is another way to deal with children and a way to make happy children and, and a way to 
solve a lot of problems before they happen. And now most of the people, they are just running after the facts. And, and when a child is totally derailed, then the, the two hands go up. And then there's, there's this thing, oh, no, now we have to, to do something. But I feel that we can solve problems before they happen, that there are no problems, actually, that they, they grow up as happy children and, and they, they learn, they, they develop, they, they get the chance to fail. The worst part is that it's all so simple. All these things are so simple. There's nothing difficult about it. Everybody can do it. But it's purely a mentality. And as you know, a mentality is sometimes hard to change. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Even when you want to change it, sometimes yeah, very hard. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think adults have such a difficult time connecting with children? Why is it so difficult? If I had that answer, I think it's, um, it has a lot to do how we were treated as children, right? A lot of things I hear of parents is, oh, grow up, will you? You know, like, like these things. So they can't speed up the process fast enough just to grow their child to, yeah, to adult. And by doing that, by forcing that, uh, I, I think it's all meant well. What the goal or the, the outcome is that they just do the opposite. And why do they do it? It's, it's, it's a really good question. And I think if we knew that, 90% of the problems were solved. People who are so power hungry are really very insecure people. and. It's like, I don't know if in your country, you know, the idiom, kick the dog. It's like when you get angry, you yeah. take it out on somebody or something you perceive mm -hmm. as less than you. An adult has a difficult time arguing or physically fighting with another adult. They can exert that power on a child. That child grows up learning that same type yeah. of behavior. You know what, what also is a, a kind of problem is that when, when people have children, then they are relatively young, right? They are like, say, between 25 or 30, some older. And, well, I'm also a little bit older and, and, and you're, you're no, no, no youngie either. <laughs> and if, if I go back to that, to that age, then, then I'm saying, oh, my God. You know, the way I'm thinking now, I'm living my life now is so different than, than 30 years back that I say, okay, but I used to react also like that. But it's by my experience and by working on myself mainly that now I have other insights. <laughs> That's the problem that at the age that people get children, they don't really don't have the maturity to, to see these things. I mean, not all of them, of course, we are not, we are not condemning them all. But for, but just looking at myself, um, even the last five years for me, where, where I went into coaching, where I went in these things, I learned so much that, is, that was of so much value for me. And I grew a bigger person through that. That's why now, I wish I had this knowledge that I have now when I was young and when I had little children. You know what I mean? Then it would be that that would be a totally different story. So what I always say to 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 people and where I, why, what I advocate is why don't we teach a little bit of parenting in schools? You know, we we teach children so much in schools that actually that that's not necessary. 
we, we teach them a lot of crap, excuse my French, but it is true. Why don't we just, like, let's say from 15 or 16 years old, just one hour a week, a little bit of parenting, right? A little bit of tips, a little bit of tricks, a little bit of what children are. Because if, if you see these 15, 16 or 17 year olds, you know, five or 10 years from then, they will have their own children. And then they will have some knowledge and then they, they will have a basic to, to run from. While now, they don't really know what they are doing. Where would they have learned? And if their parents weren't a great example, which is also not their fault, well, well you can't break the circle that way. So one of my ideas would be that in school systems, just teach one hour a week parenting. Why not? And maybe that's a far-fetched philosophy, but I think that would solve a lot of problems. And I, and I think that would be a very good thing for, for young parents that they have at least a little knowledge. Oh, I agree. I believe that if young parents really understood child development, they would understand that babies cry because there is a physical or psychological need. It's exactly. the baby is not crying to make the parents angry. And when you look at what that child needs and you know how you have the tools to react appropriately, it lessens all kinds of problems that come from not parenting correctly or in a loving, kind way. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, And I think that people uh, like yourself, when we get it out of the world and and, and we do these things, that's very helpful. But we need to reach young people and we need to reach them before they have children. That's my opinion. Because once they have children, it's it's mainly too late because everything goes so fast. They learn while they're doing, of course, when they have their second or third child, that's a different story. But especially with the first child, they should have some knowledge before they, they start. By doing that, I truly believe we would build a better society. I don't think that would be really hard to organize. It will be maybe uh, uh, a little bit revolutionary, but okay. But it can't be so hard to, to do this in schools. What would be the problem, actually? There are so many people who, who would love to do it. Even a project that is decided, why don't like grandparents who have a lot of experience, why don't why don't schools set something up that grandparents come and tell something like like this kind of project? You know, it, it can start real simple, but again, it would be it would be very very beneficiary for our society and and uh, in terms for the for the evolution of, of yeah of this world of of, of our human race far out there but i don't think it's far out there i think it's it's possible if, if we set our minds to it we all know and also leaders know people that have let's say the power to do this they all realize that everything starts with children and everything that's why how we found a, a good civilization and a good good human race actually if we start that today I think within 10 or 15 years, we would live in another world. And I I seriously mean that. In the United States, we spend so much money on the criminal justice side of Mm -hmm. law enforcement and jails and courthouses. If we could just invest that money in families and teaching children or teaching young parents, high school students, as you suggest, proper Mm -hmm 
parenting technique and real child development and how to react to different situations, I think we would see a huge shift in the drug use, gun violence, absolutely, domestic violence, everything. Everything. You have several YouTubes that caught my eye. And one of them was investing 30 minutes a day in your child (laughs) can change. Can you elaborate on that for listeners who haven't watched that video? Well, it's exact. It's actually five minutes a day and thirty minutes a week, but it it, it started actually as a as a joke as a host uh, um, before um, because so a person told me what, what what can I do now to you know to to get this better authentic connection uh, with my child, and I said to him it was him I said to him just play five minutes with your child a day, and then I went counting just for fun I said five minutes a day that's that's a half an hour per week. That's uh, that's two hours a month. That's just a day in a year. <laughs> that was just a funny um, uh, thing for me, but actually it's true. And and it seems ridiculous five minutes, but but it isn't. I mean, and and, and it wasn't. And the the thing of the question was that the question before that was yeah people have so little time these days. That's why that's why I said the five minutes because if you don't have five minutes a day time for a child. Uh, that's not possible. That's just not possible. You can always find five minutes. Of course, it's better than you play longer. But the key is in the five minutes. It's not in the five minutes. The key is in the every day. You know, it's it's no use playing an hour with your child and then two months doing nothing with it. The key is just doing every day a little thing so that you keep connecting with it. And you know as well as I do, children, they change and they grow up so fast that if you don't if you don't connect with them every day in a few weeks time you could lose connection with them it's it's so fast but that everyday thing is important that was a little bit of joke what i that's why I, I i had the five minutes rule but what i really wanted to say is just do every day something with your child and you you won't lose connection you will stay in touch it, it will come to you when it's in, in trouble because you have a connection. It will not, it will not start to lie and all these things. And again, these things are so simple, but you just need to do them. And yeah, maybe that's the bottom line. Just, just start doing it and you'll, you'll notice the, the result really quick. And that's also the beauty of it. The moment you start playing with your child in two or three days, you already have a, a, another connection with your child. I can promise you that. So yeah, that that was the the thirty minutes. Yeah, play doesn't have to be elaborate. No, of course not. You can just even watch watch it play, uh, or or just sit beside it and watch it play. That's sometimes that's even enough. Uh, like girls, they are playing with their dolls and 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 just saying out loud something and dressing their dolls and playing with their dolls. Just go sit with it and. I'm, I'm even sure that if you just sit with them, that they will automatically involve you in, the, in, 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 in their play and they will show you things. That's all it takes. I mean, it, it's, it's no rocket science. My older granddaughter and her two older brothers were visiting with me last week. And there is a doll here. And as soon as she comes and starts playing with this doll, 
she immediately takes off this doll's clothes and then she'll (laughs) hand me the doll and ask me to put her clothes back on her again. And then she wants to know if I would like some tea and we play, you know, having tea and it's all make-believe, but it's that connecting on her level, however briefly it is, and it makes her smile. And it's so nice because I don't see the children as often as I'd like. Mm -hmm. And to be able to have five minutes or 10 minutes of just playing together was just heartwarming. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And the moment they are, they have something, they will go to their grandmother because you build it the trust just by, just by doing that. It's, it's as simple as that. And uh, if more people would realize that, then, then again, we would, we would avoid so many problems. Another one of your videos talks about a million dollar tip to connect with your children. I'm, I'm a real advocate um, uh, of playing with children. And uh, <laughs> that's again, the million dollar tip is just play with your child. The question that I get most is really, what's the best tip you can give us to in parenting or to or, or to connect authentically with a child? And my answer is, again, start playing with your child. And if you are a guy uh, that, that weighs 260 pounds and the child asks you to play with its dolls, then you play with the dolls. Bad luck for you. You, If you had a son, probably he would take you out for soccer, but that's not the case. The girl will ask you to play with her dolls. And that's what you do. (laughs) It's as simple as that. There's a commercial that airs on American television every now and then, and you see this statuesque dad. And he looks like he's about 6'4 and weighs 300 pounds. And here he is wearing a tutu and going around pretending he's a ballerina, or he's sitting on this child's chair at a table having tea with his daughter. And it is priceless. And it's like, it's just what you're saying. It's like, if you have a little girl and you're a big guy, you still play tea with her. You still play tea. It's wonderful. That's what you do. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And if you're a mom, you have to to play soccer. It's like that. (laughs) I've played soccer and and flag football and basketball. And I absolutely love interacting with my grandkids. Tell me about your experience as a hospital clown. How did that come about? And tell us some of the stories, the stories that you can share with us. Tell us some of those. I'll go back a little, a little while. I mean, I was a teacher. I, I'm, a, I have a bachelor in, in pedagogy, and I missed, I missed a lot of things in teaching. I missed crea- being creative. Uh, I, I couldn't think out of the box. Everything was very structured, and, and I didn't like it, and. I started a little uh, children's theater. Um, puppet- I started as a puppeteer, actually. So I did that a little on the side. And I came across clowning. And, and, and it fascinated me uh, enormously. And I went deeper into it. And at some point, I really told my parents, I, I want to be, be a clown. I don't want to be a teacher anymore. And at that point, they thought I was really crazy that I hit my head. Um, but I went forward with it and after a few years, I, I, I really became a professional clown and I was like five years into that 
that someone approached me and, and, and they wanted to, to start a project in Belgium um, that was like putting clowns in hospitals. I had never heard of it. Uh, but in America, it was already there. So they, they had seen it there and they wanted to bring it to Belgium. Um, but they really didn't know how. They just had the idea. And we raised some money and, and, and there, were two, there was I and, and, and the other one were two clowns that started, uh, but we really didn't know what we were doing. We just didn't know. So we had to learn as we were doing it because hospital clowning is really a different animal than, than normal clowning. And the big difference is when you're a clown and let's say you are at a, at a children's party, that's the easiest thing. Everybody knows that. Uh, you just come in and you have every, everybody's attention. Well, the clown is there. He's there. The party is going to start. Everybody is, is excited and, and you do some magic tricks and some balloons and you play with them and, and everybody has, is having a good time and laughing. But in the hospital, it's, it's a different story. As you come in there as a clown and, and with sick children or palliative children, you've got the opposite reaction because they are scared. Most of the time they, they are in pain. So instead of going to the clown, which is a normal thing for a child to do because the clown stands for fun, they retract and they really hide themselves. So there we had to learn that we were not the middle point of the attention. We didn't have to bring the show. We, as a clown, you had to look, okay, what, what's the child about? How is it feeling? What's it doing? And how can I connect? And, and how can I bring a laughter to the child? So that was that was a challenge in, in each room and every time again. And also all the attributes like balloons, like magic tricks, all these things we had to put aside. Because when you enter a room, you don't know what the child likes. You have to figure it out. And so, so that's what we did. And, and then a few years in, we got good in it and the organization grew bigger. And that's what I did for 10 years. But the story I'm going to tell you is I was in like, I think I was in like five or six years. Uh, and, and, and I really had it in my fingers, the hospital clowning. But at that point, that changed my whole perspective on clowning, on children, on life, actually. So it was a, a nine-year-old girl who had, well, the doctors give her about a week left to live that, that was it maximum a week and to begin with i had a really hard time to get into the room because the parents actually didn't want me to go into the room they said literally we have other things on our minds now you know our child is dying why would we need a clown now we don't need you here the whole family is in the room and yeah, there I had to. Then I had to show a lot of leadership in talking with these these parents and and what I said to them. Look, I'm I'm not going into the room for the child because, as you say, and that's the blunt truth. I'm going to tell you like it is. Your child is about to die, but you are going to live, and your family is going to live. And what I'm going to do is 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 doing something that's good for the child and for your whole family. So that that's what I'm offering you now. And after a quick discussion, they, they still let me into the room. And when I came into this room, it was a little bit dark because they, they had closed the windows. It was really dark. And, and half of the people, I think there were like 10 people in the room. Half of the people were crying. And so I came in uh, and, and the child was just sitting on the bed, actually. It was a little bit bored. 
So I sat beside the child and it, it, it really did say anything. It, 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 it saw that I was, it saw that I was there. The girl saw that I was there, but that was it. So I had to do something. So I asked the girl as I asked her, do you know why everybody is crying here? And then she said to me, no, I don't know. Because my parents told me that I'm, I'm dying. And when I am dead, that I will sleep forever. And I said, yeah, that's, that's true. You know, I, I, I kept in my role as a clown. I said, yeah, that's true. You're, you're going to sleep forever. And, and at that point, the, the, the audience, let's say audience, the people who were there, they, they heard that, you know, and I, and I got their attention because I, I spoke out loud. And then she said to me, well, then I really don't know why everybody is so sad because sleeping is my favorite thing to do. And at that point, the whole atmosphere in the room changed. And there was people started to talk with the child, talk to each other. They, they opened the windows. I mean, everything's changed. Everything's changed. And upon till this day, this was 2000, 2006 or 2005. Let me be wrong about that. Um, I still get a Christmas card from that family. Um, so, and actually I did change their life. I did change the whole situation. And I learned so much that day about children, about how wise they are, because she, she literally, she knew what she was saying. I mean, it was not, it was not a naive answer I got from that child. It was, it was really, really thoughtful. And well, that changed everything for me and that day on my clowning changed my me as a human I changed and that's also the point where I said okay now I I, I gotta do more with this that, that I'm experiencing here and after I, I I finished my career as a hospital clown I started training hospital clowns and after that I yeah I did everything to get this this clown mentality this clown attitude to get this into the real world because as, as a normal person, I would have never gotten that information out of that child. I, would have, I, I could have never done that. But yeah, in this case, because I listened to it, because I did nothing, because I really listened to the child, I, I, I observed everything, what is really important for hospital clown. I got that. And that's just one of the stories that I have. But that's the story that's changed my perspective yeah, completely. That is a powerful story. Thank you yes, for sharing that. You. Yes, my pleasure. I still get, get, get uh, goosebumps everything, every time I tell the story. But You mentioned about the United States clowns going into hospitals. Yeah. That was kind of a, a hard-fought battle here, too, because yeah. the one clown that comes to mind is actually he was a doctor, Patch Adams, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he had a very difficult time convincing yes. hospital administrators that as a doctor being a clown and helping his patients was real yes. and they made a movie about him and it's one of my favorite movies yeah well it's my favorite actor but it's also a very good movie actually yeah um and but that's also what we encountered the first years that we went into hospitals um the nurses were yeah okay but doctors we, we didn't get any respect of them the first years that we were doing this uh, but it changed i can tell you it's changed and but of course now the organization is 
22, 22, 23 years at this point. I still, I, I'm still have a link with the organization. Now, of course, they love it. And also the doctors, they love it. And, and they see the, the worth of it and the value of it. But I, the first years were really hard. And, and when there was a doctor around, we had to leave the room and all these things. Um, as well now, when we when clowns are in the room, the doctor comes in and, and some doctors even play along. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a totally different situation. Yeah. You also have one of your videos is a reciting the poem on children. Yeah. And why does that poem speak to you so much? Um, well, actually, there's one sentence in it that, that's really important, and that's, we don't owe children. <laughs> and that stroked me that much in, in a poem, and that's actually the whole, the whole basic of it all. We, we don't owe children because we put them in the world. That's true, but that doesn't mean we, we owe them. Uh, own them, sorry. And that struck me that much in, in the poem. And actually, if you read the whole poem, it's it's exactly my philosophy about children. And I just came across the, the, the poem a few weeks ago, actually. It's 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 very bizarre. And somebody just um told me about the poem and said, Oh, you gotta read this. And I read it and I instantly fell in love with, with that poem because it so represents everything what I stand for regarding children. And you have to know that it's it's a hundred years old. So, you know, <laughs> that also um, strengthens me in my in my vision and in my mission to to do this and to go for it and to reach as many people as I can. Uh, because yeah, they've they've been working on it for a hundred years now, and as I see it, there's not much progress. <laughs> but it could be uh, it could be my my vision about it. But I, I really don't see much progress. So I have to do something. We have to do something, right? That reminds me of another poem by Edgar Guest, and it's mm -hmm. uh, about I'll lend for you. I'm going to read part of it, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Yeah, great. Well, maybe I can't. <laughs> it's emotional. <laughs> Sorry. I'll just put a link to it. It's about this. Yeah, um, do you know the poem? No, I don't know. I'll lend, I'll lend you for a while a child of mine, he said, uh, for you to love the while he lives and mourn for when he's dead. It may be six or seven years or 22 or three, but will you, till I take him back, take care of him for me? It's that same kind of philosophy yeah, that this child yeah. is not really yours, but I'm, I'm enabling you to help him grow and to teach him the goodness of the world. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's the same. It's the same message. It's identically the same message. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, and and again, you know, if 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 poems and 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 artists and these people, um, they they see the children for what they really are, and so we have to just spread this word and and show people how children really are and show them that there is actually an other way of of communicating with them, of living with them, of of teaching them things, of, of showing them things, of, of just being ourselves for them. And I think if, if we can do that, just 
be ourselves for them, um, yeah, we, we've already won. I think it's being kind. You know, just just children are so innocent and yeah, just love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but that's actually the only thing you can do. You can just love them and 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 give them what you think they need. That's that's the thing you can do. But what I'm referring to is they also. Uh, I mean, you know, we are not perfect human beings, and and that's what we also need to show our children because you know, especially when they are young, then then daddy is super daddy and daddy is everything. But there's nothing wrong to show emotion. There's nothing wrong to even be angry because that's what humans do and what humans are. And if at that age we show that we are humans and that like that mommy and daddy can have an argument, that that's all normal and that's all a part of life. Um, you know, we think we need to protect our children from this, but the opposite is true. Let them experience it. The more they experience these things, the more they will will take it and the more they will can have an argument with somebody because it's important sometimes opinions vary and that's good opinions can vary and it's 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 normal but then then they have a weapon if we shield them from it then at some point they will come in contact with it and and they won't know what to do and they 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 will think it's it's a disaster uh, i mean yeah you, you know what i mean they are also like like when people and there are divorces and stuff. These these things happen, but I mean, children can take these things. Things children can understand these things. The moment you're honest to them, and the moment you really show them what's going on, then they can then they can deal with it. But the moment we 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 put a shield around them and we're going to tell stories that are just not true or that are that you think they are, you're protecting them, you're actually doing the opposite. I think oh. children know when you're not being truthful with them. And the best thing to do is to explain whatever the situation is with language that is appropriate for their developmental stage. It's not lying to them because that no. is going to backfire at some point. Always. It always backfires. Absolutely. What is something that parents and grandparents or aunts and uncles can start doing today to make a difference in the relationships they have with the young children in their lives? There are two things that's playing, right? And the other thing is, and sometimes that's a little bit harder. I want them to go back and think back at the time that they were children. How did they feel then when they were playing or when they had no worries and when they were uh, this, the, when they were doing things they really loved as a child and how did that make them feel and with that feeling that's the feeling they should address children with that's the feeling they should uh, apply to connect with their children and to do things with their children or grandchildren for that matter of fact that, for me that's no difference I mean <laughs> it's really no difference the grandparents or parents they 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 can do so much for children. Um, so, but coming from from your own inner child, coming from this this young soul, let me call it that. That's coming not from from the old soul who who has scars and 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 who thinks there are bad things in the world and who thinks the reality is different and all these things. But coming from this this unfiltered soul, this beautiful soul, which we still have and which. Everyone still have coming from that, 
if we approach children like this, then, then our relationship to them will change. And, but that's, of course, that's the next step. That's already uh, may, maybe too difficult, but start with playing. Start just with playing. And, and if you can do that, from that, other things will come. And yeah, you, you, the beauty is that, you, that results are immediate. You see results so fast. And that's the beauty of it. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest, or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.